0: Thank you for tuning in to Conroe United Pentecostal Church today. We pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. If there is ever anything we can do for you, please email admin at conroeubc.org. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5 through 15. I want to read read a, a, a big passage of scripture, but it's a very, very familiar passage of scripture to us all. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. Everybody say hypocrites. Say, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Well, you weren't very loud on that one. That worries me. I don't want to be a hypocrite. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward openly. Everybody say openly. Openly. That means that the, that that means that the hypocrites were people who didn't pray in their prayer closet, but liked to pray real loud, real, real loud at church. And sometimes those who pray the quietest at church are those who pray the loudest. At home, amen. I don't want my spiritual life to be wrapped up around the church that I attend, but I want my prayer life to be wrapped up around a relationship with Jesus Christ, and I know that's how you feel. So, shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. What and so that's I think that's a life lesson right there. What you do in secret will be shouted from the rooftop. That's a life lesson that we can live by. If it's good or if it's bad, whatsoever you do in private will be manifested in an open forum, and it won't be by your choosing, whether it be good or whether it be bad. That's why it's important that what we do in private be true. That's why whatsoever things are, are pure, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are a good, report, Think on these things. It doesn't say do these things. It says think on these things. Because once you get something in your mind, it then gets into your heart. And then from the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaketh. And so whatever you speak out goes into a public arena, into a public forum. And that's what what I want to be proclaimed, is the goodness, the purity... Of and righteousness of Jesus Christ. I want that to be abundant in my life. I want the fruit of the Spirit to be in full force in my life. I want, I, I want people to recognize that God's Spirit is living in me and there is fruit that comes with that life. Moving on, therefore, do not be like them, speaking of the hypocrites. For your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. And in this manner, therefore, you should pray and pray this prayer. Therefore, do not be like them for your father knows them and pray this in this manner. Therefore, pray. I got mixed up. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can all quote this prayer. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us and to temptation, but deliver us, O God, from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And then he goes on to say in verses 14 and 15, this is Jesus speaking, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. If you forgive men, God will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. This night tonight I want to talk about the importance of forgiveness. Why don't you say that? The importance of forgiveness. The importance of forgiveness forgiveness. This is a very, 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 very large subject. This could be a very, very heavy and very emotional subject, and I know that we don't have a lot of time. I have 34 minutes tonight, so I want to move quickly, and I want this to be a lesson that we can apply to our life. So much, so, so many times we are guilty of it, uh, not just us, but so many people are guilty of their relationship with Jesus Christ and our church services um, being centered around the miraculous and being centered around the faith realm, which that is great. I believe that God can perform miracle signs and wonders, but miracle signs and wonders will not get you to heaven. The only thing that will get you to heaven is God's Spirit living inside of you. It is possible for us to have a church full of people and never, never, never have a person saved. But it is impossible for us to have a church full of people And it is possible for us to have a few people that are saved and then those few people experience miracle signs and wonders in their life. So one, you can have by itself or you can have one and the other follow. I would rather have God's Spirit living in me and if God heals me, fine. If God doesn't heal me fine, I know that when I get to heaven I will be healed. Amen. I'm not I'm not near as I'm not near as interested in earthly healing as I am in an eternal home in glory. Trust me, if I'm sick, you better believe I'm going to pray for healing. If you're sick, You better believe I'm going to pray that you are healed. If you're going through a financial hard time, I'm going to believe with you that God's going to provide. And when I'm going through a financial hard time, I want you to pray and believe and join together with me that God is going to provide. But if he doesn't, the fact that he saved me, the the fact that he forgave me, that is enough for me. Forgiveness is enough. So forgiveness is something all of us want to receive, but most of us hesitate to give. Most of us hesitate to give. I'll be honest with you, this lesson I've been studying all day long, and it's made me feel uncomfortable. It's convicted me. It's pricked my heart. So if you feel uncomfortable tonight, know that that's the power of God working in you. So forgiveness is something that we all want to give. Excuse me, it's something that we all want to receive. But how many times do we find ourselves not being able to forgive others? Whether it be of something big or something small, something that could be a spiritual matter or something that could be just a small trivial issue that turns into a spiritual matter because of our lack of willingness to forgive people. Jesus makes it clear, however, that we can't have forgiveness without giving forgiveness. It's impossible. That's what Jesus was telling us in Matthew chapter 6 verse 15. Um, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Verse 15 says, but if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you're reading that in your Bible versus on the screens or, or on your iPad or on your smartphone, that, those two verses will be in red ink. That means it is the spoken word of the Lord. These words allow no room for doubt or discussion. Forgiveness is not something that we can skirt around. It's impossible for us to be saved unless we ask for forgiveness, right? What is repentance? It's turning around. It's saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I want you to forgive me of my sins. I need you to forgive me of my sins, my transgressions, my shortcomings, my failures, my quirks, my habits, my hangups. All of this stuff, God, I need you to forgive me of that. I need you to pardon me of that. Through your blood. I need that to happen. And then repentance is when God does it. And we choose to turn around and walk a different way. And then those sins are forever forgotten and erased when we're baptized in Jesus' name. And then obviously um, the evidence of God's spirit living in us is when we speak in another tongue. That's not a language that we know. But it's God's spirit speaking through us. So, But it's, a, but, but, but it's impossible. If you are baptized and you did not ask for forgiveness... You didn't get baptized. God didn't wash your sins away. You just got wet and somebody said some fancy words before they dunked you and held you down until the bubble stopped. Baptism is a spiritual act. It's more than just a preacher. It's more than just a minister around the church laying you down in the water and bringing you back up. It is not a physical work. While, while it takes physical hands and physical people to want to be baptized, you cannot be baptized in the Spirit unless you are asking God to forgive you of your sins. God cannot wash away what you don't want Him to wash away. That's very important for us to realize. Not, and even for those of us who have been baptized, God cannot forgive us. God cannot pardon us. God cannot deliver us from, uh, from some things unless we want Him to deliver that from us. My dad tells a story that early on we were in the storefront building and somebody came up and said, Pastor, I want you to pray that I be delivered from, for, for, I want you to pray that God deliver me from cigarettes. And so dad did the thing that dad does. He just pulled out the claw and palmed the lady on the head and began praying for her. He said he was praying and then he stopped and was listening to what she was saying and she said, God, you know how much I love these cigarettes, but take them away from me. No, that's not going to happen. If we, if we love the world, God will never take what we love away from us. Whether it be good or whether it be bad, we must have a willing heart to embrace His Spirit coming in our life. So forgiveness flows two ways. Forgiveness flows two ways. We cannot separate receiving forgiveness from extending forgiveness. The first time that we were ever truly forgiven was when God forgave us of our sins, Correct. Now, you might have ask as a kid on the playground, oh, forgive me of this. But really, you were apologizing. You weren't saying, oh, just forget this. You were just saying, I'm sorry. That's a, a lot of times we say, will you forgive me of this? And, and I believe that's a good thing to say. But a lot of times what we do is we don't really want forgiveness. We want we just want that person to know, hey, I know I said something mean and I recognize it. Hey, let's move forward. I'm sorry. That's really what we mean. But the first time that we were ever truly forgiven was when God forgave us of our sins. But there are times, how many of you have been in a situation where you had to ask someone to forgive you? I've been there. I've had to go to somebody say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I really need you to forgive me. I'm not coming to you for you. I'm coming to you. For me, I'm not coming to you to make you feel better because we both know that I did something wrong I'm coming to you because I have to be right with Jesus and in order for me to be right with Jesus I have to be right with you So I need you to forgive me regardless of how you feel towards me If we can never have a relationship again after this, uh, that's fine I know there might be consequences to my wrongdoing, but I need you to forgive me We can never have others forgive us and we can never forgive others until we embrace the process of Jesus Christ forgiving us, and so many times, so many times people come to us and say, "Hey, listen, I know that we got in this discussion, I know that we got in this argument, I know I said something that was wrong, or I know I did something that was wrong, and I want you to I, I, I want you to forgive me, And how many times have we ourselves? been guilty of not being able to forgive we might say oh yeah it's all right it's all right i forgive you i forgive you yeah 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 but we harbor onto the bitterness we harbor uh, we harbor those feelings and it grows and grows and grows and it develops into something much bigger than it ever should have been if we would have just forgiven that person it's hard for us to get upset when people won't forgive us when we won't forgive others and that hurts, and that's painful, but that's the reality of our flesh that we have to live with. We are not always perfect, but we must look past, we must look past others' perfections. Because I don't know about you, I, I need you guys that are here tonight. I've got some serious flaws, and I need you to forgive me of my flaws, and I want you to forget that I have them, and I want you to look past that. But in order for me to desire that, I must, have, I must be able to look past your shortcomings, We can hang out together for two or three days, and before long, we're going to recognize what our shortcomings are. I could realize that you wake up in the morning and you got really bad breath. And I can get mad at you for having bad breath, but I'm not brushing my teeth either. And I know that's really simple, and it's juvenile, and it's funny, but that drives the point home to much bigger issues that many of us face and many of us carry even tonight. Forgiveness is a two-way street. In order, we cannot separate receiving forgiveness from extending or giving forgiveness. Forgiveness is at the core of our emotional well-being. It is not only spiritual, but forgiveness comes into our emotions, and it also affects our physical bodies. It is fair to say that unforgiving people are emotionally sick. Have you ever met someone who was just emotionally off? They just weren't there didn't know what it was, but I mean, I mean, they were nice people. They were good people, but something wasn't right. You couldn't put your finger on it, but your feeler was perking something. Your radar, uh, 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 excuse me, your radar was perking something. Um, it, It was pinging something. Something was being picked up. You couldn't put your finger on it, but you knew there was something there. People's bitterness is a disease of their spirit. A disease of the spirit is much worse than a disease of our body. And it's inevitable that the unforgiving person eventually will experience physical illness as well. I found a lot of medical research today that has to do with this, and I want to read with you what some doctors and what some people that are much smarter than me and aren't even walking in truth as you and I walk tonight. But this is something that they discovered. In scientific studies, anger causes surges of adrenaline and secretes other powerful chemicals that attack the body in a negative way. The stress we carry when we refuse to give or receive forgiveness affects our hearts, our, our mentality, and our bodies. Stress we carry from bitterness and not being able to forgive others. To make matters worse... Both rage and depression contribute to obsessive behaviors. Obsessive behaviors such as overeating, ouch, being a workaholic, overspending, and even addictions to pornography and mood-altering drugs. The study said we cannot rid ourselves of emotional pain and its side effects unless we are willing to forgive people. That's doctors, that's not preachers, that's not the Apostle Paul, that's not red letter in your Bible. That, that, that is studies that have, been on, that have been done on people, on their physical health. Our, our, our ability to forgive or to not forgive affects us in more ways than we realize. And not only does it affect us, but it affects those that live around us. I want to be the positive person in my friend group. I don't know about you. I want to be the go-to guy in my friends. I want to be the funny guy. I want to be the guy that can encourage you. I want to be the guy that can uplift you. I want to be the guy that sees the bad, excuse me, I want to be the guy that sees the good in the bad situation. Let me correct that. I want to be that guy. I don't know how you are. I don't know how you're wired. I don't know what you want to be, but that's what I want to be because I've found that however I am, That's the people that I attract to me. And I don't want negative friends. I don't want friends that when I mess up, they can't forgive me. Have you ever had to have a really tough discussion with a friend? I mean, something that was, I mean, real, real. One of my best friends um, was getting married a few years ago, and there there, there was a lot of stuff happening in his family around the marriage. And I had to have a really, really hard conversation with him. A really hard conversation to the point to where I was his best man and I backed out of the wedding the day of the wedding. It was a very tough conversation to have. It was very it was very ugly. It was one, it, it it was real life. Has anybody been there? Just real life. I know we're not talking about then Peter said to them, repent, be baptized tonight. I know, I know we're not talking about the spiritual realm and hypothetical. I'm talking about real life. But a few, a few months later, I was able to have a conversation with that friend, and, and we were able to work things out. And now everything is good. We're best friends. We talk all the time. All the time we talk. When we're able to be together, we live several hundred miles apart, but when we're able to be together, we're with each other, and it's like, it's, it's, it's like nothing was ever wrong. It's because we were able to have a conversation, and we were able to get things out of our spirit. We both felt like we were right. We were both coming from polar opposite directions. But we were able to put all of that aside, and we were able to leave that in the past, and now we can still maintain relationships. I recognize that some relationships aren't meant to last forever. We've all experienced that, and that hurts, and sometimes we don't understand it. But the reality is, is some relationships are only for a short season. But there's other relationships that are meant to be a lifetime that we can jeopardize, that we can mess up because we are too stinking hard-headed. And I know I'm not talking to you. I know I'm talking to me. Relationships like marriage. Relationships like family. Relationships like a son or a daughter or an aunt or an uncle or a parent. We all have these relationships, and we all know people who have no relationship with these people in their life. And it all boils down to something that happened two years ago or 20 years ago, and we can't forgive each other. And now we're depressed at the holidays, and now people commit suicide around the holiday time more than ever before. A lot of it's because of death, a lot of it's because of addiction, a lot of it is because of all these other issues, but it's probably safe to say that a lot of it is because of an unforgiving heart. And a person that can't extend forgiveness can never receive forgiveness. Unresolved anger keeps us from moving forward. My buddy that I was telling you about, we have a relationship that was a that we were able to move past a very difficult dark time. Because we were able we were able to resolve some issues. We didn't leave anything unspoken. How many of you hate confrontation? I'll be, come on, I hate it. I hate it. I, I'm not good with it. But the last couple of years, I've realized that if, if, if something's going to have to be confrontational, let's do it and get it over with. Let's do it and get it over with. I don't want anybody to ever have to wonder how I feel about them. I don't want to be the guy that people's like walking on eggshells around. Well, what mood is he in today? Does he like me today? Does he does he not like me today? No. I would rather be blunt. I would rather you just know that it, listen, I I'll, I'll just make it plain, okay? Remember the the old Wild West? I'm sure we've seen the old movies. I'm sure you've seen all the stuff, read the comic books or the Western books, if if, if we want to be spiritual because we don't do the movies. But we've all read to where somebody's walking down the middle of the road and they just have a standoff. They just pull their gun and shoot each other down the road, right? But then we've also seen where somebody is sniping out. They're hiding in the bushes. And they don't know who shot them and where it came from. I'm not the sniper dude. I don't want to be that guy. If I got a problem with you, I'm going to meet you head on and let's face it. Let's deal with the issue. We can never fix stuff when we are tiptoeing around unresolved issues. If you have an unresolved issue in a friend or in a family member or maybe a work relationship, let's not tiptoe around it. And I know it's so easy for me to stand here and say that. I recognize that saying it is so much easier than doing it. But the reality is, is if God can forgive you, if God can resolve a bunch of unresolved mess in your life, I think, I think the power that He gave us when His Spirit came and lived in us is strong enough to help us res- uh, resolve unresolved issues in our relationships here on earth. It's not God's will for His children to be mean. It's not God's will for His children to have issues with everyone. If you have issues with everyone and can't forgive people and you can't have friends, there is an issue. I question if God is living in my heart if I'm like that or if you're like that. So we must be able to resolve issues. Everybody say, resolve the stuff. Resolve the junk. Everybody take a deep breath. Man, I'm seeing some of you. You're all tense. It looks like you're riding a roller coaster right now. It's all right. It's all right. All right. I didn't bring a gun. I'm not going to shoot you. I'm really not. I'm really not. Furthermore, if we allow unforgiveness to continue, we are likely to experience depression. Everybody say depression. Bitterness or or both of those combined. Yet more importantly, more importantly than the depression and the bitterness and the physical side effects that I just talked about, the spiritual consequence of unforgiveness is being alienated from God. Let that sink in for a minute. Let that sink in. Forgiveness cannot begin until we admit our own failures. If we cannot do that much, we can neither give nor receive forgiveness. How can you apologize to someone and say, Hey man, I'm really sorry I did that, but I wasn't wrong. Have you ever had that happen to you? I've done it before. You know, hey man, I'm, I'm sorry it happened like this, but I'm not sorry I said that. You know, that's, that's not apologizing. That, that, uh, that's not asking for forgiveness. That, that, uh, that's, just trying to, that's just trying to put a band-aid. That, that, uh, that's, that's avoiding an unresolved issue. That's talking about talking about the issue. So many times we talk about what we need to talk about and talk about talking about doing it. But we just need to get to the heart of, of the issue, and recognize that if we cannot forgive others, God's Spirit is not living in us. What is the main characteristic of Jesus Christ? The fact that He died on the the cross for our sins. Why did He do that? Because He wanted to forgive. He wanted to redeem us from our carnality, from our flesh, from our bad thoughts, from our bad deeds and our bad words. So if we are Christians, Christians means what? We are Christ-like. So how can we be Christians and not forgive? And not forgive. We cannot receive forgiveness without acknowledging our need for forgiveness. We cannot extend forgiveness without admitting that because of our own imperfections, we have no right to withhold forgiveness from anyone else. Listen to this. For Christians... Forgiveness is non-negotiable. Everybody say non-negotiable. How, how many of you have family rules that are non-negotiable? you got rules for your kids. They're going to be in bed by 10 o'clock because you have school tomorrow, right? You and your wife may have spoken or unspoken rules that are non-negotiable for your relationship. And, and what are those rules? It's not so a husband can be um, domineering over his wife. It's not so the wife can wear the pants of the family like we've all heard and like we've all seen and like we all like to joke about at times. And I know it's funny, but but that's not why a husband and a wife have, have rules. They have rules because they have boundaries. And they have boundaries because they don't. Uh, uh, we don't want unresolved issues. We don't want stuff to come in between us. Forgiveness is non negotiable. It's non negotiable. That is a non negotiable rule that you have with your Heavenly Father. We must be able to receive and extend forgiveness. I want to talk about tonight, just, and I've got 12 minutes and um, 45 seconds. 12 minutes and 45 seconds. No pressure. Obstacles of unforgiveness. And those two obstacles are fear and then the misconceptions of what forgiveness is. So, fear. The reason many of us refuse to forgive is our fear of loss. What does that mean? We'll, We'll talk about it. And there's no denying that forgiveness requires us. Here we go. We'll talk about it. There's no denying that forgiveness requires us to give up attitudes, bad attitudes, and bad actions, wrongdoings. If you want to be forgiven and you want to forgive, there's two things that you have to give up. It's the fact that you had a bad, stinking, rotten attitude and you were doing things that were inappropriate, bad actions. Fear of losing the energy that anger produces. Many people fear forgiving others because if they forgave somebody, they wouldn't have nothing to be mad about. It, I, I know it's not you, and I know it's not anybody in your family, in your immediate family. It's your brother-in-law or your sister-in-law. It's, uh, it's your mother-in-law. That's who it is. It's your mother-in-law. They're just that bad person. If they didn't have anything bad to say, they wouldn't have anything to say at all, right? It's like, it's like when you're around them, it's like you're around a dump truck. It's, just, it's stinky and it's rotten and they're, they're, there's nothing pure, there's nothing positive, there's nothing uplifting. Whenever you leave them, you feel stinky and rotten. Fear of losing the energy that anger produces. Many people are like that because they cannot forgive others. Some people are reluctant to let go of the burning energy and the rage that unforgiveness gives them. It's like fuel that keeps them moving. Without it, they would likely lose their purpose in life because their anger and their bitterness and their resentment and their unforgiving attitude is their purpose in life. Fear of losing leverage in a relationship. Uh-oh. We've all been guilty of that. We've all leveraged a friendship. We've all leveraged a situation with a friend or with a family member or a spouse or loved one. We've all tried to manipulate that. Forgiveness does not guarantee change in the other person's behavior. When we ask for forgiveness, we must realize, and when we give forgiveness, we must realize that we cannot control another person. But the process and the purpose of me giving or asking for forgiveness is because of my heart has to be right. Forgiveness is an act of obedience. Everybody say obedience. And we all know that obedience is better than sacrifice. Forgiveness is an act of obedience, not a tool of manipulation. It's hard to manipulate someone when you love them and you have no problems with them. When you want what's best for someone at heart, you're not going going to manipulate their emotions or their words or their feelings or their actions. You're not going to manipulate them for an outcome that you desire. No, because you want what's best for them. Not just for you, you're not selfish, but you want what's best for the whole entire family or the whole entire friend group. Thirdly, fear of losing power and control. Sometimes we give people too much control in our life. Refusing to forgive keeps others in our debt. They are indebted to us emotionally and many other ways. Although forgiving feels like an act of surrender, those of us who have done it recognize that it's a, that it's an act that requires strength and bravery. Why? Because it's not easy. It's not easy. How how many of you have had to do something brave? Had ha, you've had to have a brave conversation with a friend or a family member or a coworker or maybe even a boss? Maybe someone that's under you. Maybe it's someone who works for you. We've all had to have that. We've all had to be brave. We've all had to step out. If we can do that in our professional lives, people, if we can do that in our friends, why can't we do that in the spiritual realm? Why can't we do that? If we, if we can give 100% to our jobs, we can go and make right with people on the job because it's what's best for the team, and when the team is functioning good, I'm going to get my bonus at the end of the quarter. Right. Come on now. Let's talk. Right. When, when we can work together good as a team, it's going to be all right when we can um, uh, 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 um, with their synergy. There you go. There, uh, There's a hot corporate word for you. Synergy. Uh, 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 when synergy on the team is good, the bonuses are going to be good. Everybody's when everybody's excited to show up at work and stay late. Guess what? Everything's going to happen good. But so many times we have better synergy at work than we have with the people who sit on the pew with us. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I've been guilty of it too. Fear of losing the image of superiority. Everybody say superiority. Holding an offense against another person places us in a good guy versus bad guy scenario. Imagining that we are better than others makes us feel good, but such a prideful attitude is unacceptable to God. You're not better than that person that did you wrong. How many of you realize that without the Lord, we would be nothing? I'm thankful that without his grace and his blood in my life, I would be nothing. So we don't need to stare down our nose at people who have done us wrong, or we don't need to stare up someone else's nose because we did someone else wrong. We don't need to do that. We need to recognize that people can look at us however they want to look at us. People can perceive us however they want to look at us. People can say about us whatever they want to say about us, and that's fine. That's fine. I can't change you, but I can change the fact that I'm not going to look down at you and I'm not going to look up at you. I'm going to look at you just like I should look at you because we are equal. God created both of us. And you might be a sinner or I might be a sinner. Whoever was wrong or whoever's right, however the cookie crumbles, I'm going to be able to look at you with confidence knowing that if God can save me and if God can save you, He gave us the power to work things out. If you want to have a healthy church, if you want to have a church that's on fire, if you want to have a church that's moving forward, you have to have people that's able to work things out. You want to see people get mad? Start changing stuff around the church. Start changing how things are are administrated. Start changing people. Well, they used to stand on this side of the platform. Now they stand on this side of the platform. They used to teach in that classroom. Now they teach in that classroom. But they'll get all angry about it. People get angry. I get angry about it. Kayla right now, she's wanting to shut my office down and chair offices so we can change and make growth for Wednesday night. And I'm angry about that. This is my office. It's the only place I have I can go in. I, if we change offices, I can't move my ugly green chair to your office because you're not going to like it. You see, we don't like change. But we must be able to move past that. We must be able to forgive people. We say, okay, we're going to lay our differences aside. We go to the same church. We serve the same God. And we are going to put what matters first. We're not going to put our preferences. We're not going to put our style of worship over another style of worship. We're not going to put our style of preaching over another style of preaching. We're not going to put our style of dress, our style, you name it. Who drives a bus? If somebody drives a bus uh, with their right hand or with their left hand, whatever goofy thing you can insert in this scenario. However it is, we have to be able to get past our differences and recognize that we are trying to get to the same place. Are we not? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you want to go to heaven? Do you? I want to go to heaven. So let's put everything else down and let's focus on what matters. Let's focus on what really matters. I have got four minutes and uh, 32 seconds. Now, Now let's talk about the misconceptions. Some of the greatest obstacles to forgiveness are the misconceptions about what it is. Realizing what forgiveness is not can probably help us out here. Forgiveness is not condoning someone else's behavior. To forgive is not saying what you did is okay. It's not saying that. It's not saying... It's not saying, well, I'll excuse it. It's not that. Forgiveness is saying the consequences of your behavior belong to God and not me. I'm not going to hold you captive for what you said. I release what you said to me. I'm no longer harboring that bitterness and those ill feelings and those ill thoughts that I've had towards you and maybe that I've said to someone else. How many have done that? I'll, I'll raise two hands and a foot to that. I've been guilty of that. You might not have been, but I, 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 I've done enough of that for both of us. I'm no longer going to hold on to that. I'm going to move forward. When we forgive, we transfer the, that person from our system of justice to God's system. It's not, it, it, it's not up to us. To say, well, that person's bad because they did that, and I don't agree with that. That it very well may be true. They might be a bad person, and you might not agree with them, and you might have every reason in the book to not agree with them. But it is not up to you to put that person in hell. It is not up to you to condemn uh, 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 to condemn them to a life of judgment, to a life where they can never be involved in anything around the church. Such were some of you. There was a time when you had major mess ups in your life, but there was someone that was able to forgive you, and they still used you they were able to forgive you and and they moved past it and now you can have a relationship you see to forgive is to recognize that the wrong done against us is a debt of sin and all sin is against god not us it's not us we don't have to hold someone else's sin we don't have to die for someone else's sin what they've done it's all the price has already been paid Now whether or not they want to receive the blood of Jesus Christ and His Spirit, that's up to them. But the work of Calvary has already been done. You don't need to crucify that person for what they did. Somebody has already been crucified. And I know that hurts, and I know, and, and I know that's really close to home, but we have to get past this place of crucifying people for their dumb mistakes. Or maybe they're not dumb mistakes. Maybe it's a, maybe it's someone in authority who knew not, who knew they shouldn't do what they did. But yet we still hold it. We have to release that. We might have every reason in the book to be upset and harbor feelings and and harbor judgment and harbor opinions towards them. But we have to recognize that it is not our judgment. It is not our opinion. It is not our feelings that matter. It is Jesus Christ. And though that person messed up, though that person failed, it could have been a public failure or private failure. However, it could have been. God can still use that person. God can still have a plan and a purpose for that person's life. You see, forgiveness is not forgetting what happened. So many times we say forgive and forget, and that's good. Sometimes we do need to forget, but sometimes we don't need to forget. Well, what does that mean? That sounds really mean. That sounds really judgmental. Let's talk about it. It would be foolish to erase from our minds some of the things that have been done to us. If we were to do so, we would never learn from our experiences and we would walk right back into the same foolishness, to the same same garbage, a similar situation, only to face disappointment. When we forgive, the terrible terrible memories and feelings gradually diminish. Well, I think you're supposed to forgive and forget. Um, If somebody molested your kid, you're supposed to forgive them but you 're foolish if you forget that it happened and let your little girl or your little boy go back to their house there 's some things you don 't forget if somebody was um, it, it, if somebody was an usher and we call them digging out of the offering bag, we might can let them serve in other areas of the church, but we can 't let them serve as an usher again. Now they could have robbed the bank 20 years ago before they got saved, but the blood of Jesus Christ washed that away. And the blood of Jesus Christ can wash this sin away, but there's some things that you don't forget because you will repeat the same scenarios over and over and over and over again. You see, forgiveness is not restoring trust in a person. It's not restoring trust. Trust is earned. Everyone say earned. It is something that we give to those who deserve it. To blindly trust someone who has hurt us is naive and irresponsible. We can forgive people from the wrong they've done without extending to them an open invitation to do it again. It goes back to the child molester thing that I talked about. It is foolish to trust an untrustworthy person, it's foolish. It's foolish. If people have proven over and over again, if they have the same track record over and over and over again, that they cannot cannot handle some things, but yet we continue to allow that person to be that same person in our life, we allow them to have the same role in our life, it is not their fault. At some point, we have to take responsibility for our own actions and our own lack of judgment. Agreement is not agreeing to reconcile. It's not agreeing to reconcile. Forgiveness is a necessary step towards reconciliation. And reconciliation is good and it's needed in the day that we live in. Many divorces that we have in our society can be reconciled. So reconciliation is a good thing. But reconciliation is not necessarily the goal of forgiveness. They are not the same thing. They can coexist, but they are not the same thing. In fact, there are some situations when reconciliation is not a good idea. It's silly and it's even dangerous at times to press for reconciliation when the other person is unrepentant and unchanging and unwilling to change. You can forgive them. Charles, I can forgive you for calling me a dirty, rotten scoundrel. I can forgive you for that. I can forgive you. But if you continue to say hurtful things to me, Maybe, maybe we can be friends at a distance. Maybe we can go to heaven together, but that don't mean we have to be bosom buddies here on earth. Well, I don't have issues with Charles, but I recognize that when me and Charles are together for too long, bad stuff happens. You see that? So what I'm doing, I'm not being mean to Charles. Thanks for letting me pick on you, dude. I'm not being mean to him, but I recognize that my weaknesses and his weaknesses do not complement each other. And that when we hang out, we might do something wrong. And instead of him being the uh, uh, the guard at the prison, me and him are going to be together behind on the other side of the bars at the prison. So reconciliation. I love you, buddy. We're friends. We're going to go together together. But when we get together, we create a stink. Because you stink and I stink. But we don't need to make the whole room stink. So you sit over there and I'm going to sit over there. And I love you. I don't have a problem with you. You see what I'm saying? Have I driven that point home? Now, I'm not saying that we can't, that, uh, that we have to be enemies and we avoid people at church. I'm not saying that I avoid Charles. So don't twist and manipulate what I'm saying. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, but I have to recognize that there are some people in this life that we can never coexist together and good things happen. That doesn't mean they're a bad person. It means that how God wired A and how God wired B. When A and B get together, it might not be a good outcome. Moving on. Forgiveness is not easy. Everybody say it's not easy. It is not easy. it's hard, it's difficult. Forgiving is, a, is difficult enough when it involves a one-time transgression. It verges on the impossible when the offense is ongoing. When Peter asked Jesus how often he should forgive, Jesus gave a very hard answer. You can find it. You can find it in Matthew chapter eight, Matthew chapter eight verses 21 through 22 Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times, Jesus? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but I say to you up to 70 times seven. Stand with me this evening. Thank you for being here. In closing, I want us to think about this. Think, let's just think about it. Think about the mathematics of 70 times 7. Think about that statement that Jesus made. That was a literal statement. Can you imagine trying to forgive anyone for a minor event, offense? 70 times 7? What is 70 times 7? What is the product of, 79, of 70 times 7? It is 490 times Imagine having, imagine this, okay? I've got, I live right over here at this house. Everybody knows that. Don't knock on my door. I might be there and I might not answer. And don't get offended. It's just my house. That's the only privacy I have. When I walk out of those doors, I don't have privacy. So I might might act like I'm asleep if you knock on my door, all right? If you see me out cold, come talk to me. But don't come knocking on my door unless your leg is falling off or something. All right, so imagine this. I walk outside the door. This happened last week. Walk outside the door. And all the, kids from the, for all the kids from the neighborhood, I hear a ruckus, a whole bunch of noise. And my family, my herd, we were leaving. We had to go to Houston. And I hear a ruckus. And it's loud. I'm like, where is that coming from? So I walk around the side of the house. I don't see it. And then, and then it gets quiet. And I'm like, oh, something bad's happening. Everybody was loud and they saw me. But I don't see them. So I'm looking around. Hey, where y'all at? Where y'all at? I turn around on top of the studio, on top of it, on the point. There's kids up there hanging out. Oh, I said, guys, get down, get down! Y'all are gonna get hurt. Y'all are gonna get hurt. Y'all gonna now. The first time it was kind of funny, you know. It's something that I would have do, I would have done. Something I did. Okay, it's funny. But imagine that happening every day, seven, four hundred and ninety days. That would get old, and I would have to forgive that every day. After about day number three, I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to call the cops, and the cops are going to scare you. I don't want them to take you to jail, but I want them to scare you. Day number five, if I have to call the cops, lock them up. Take them home. 490 times. To put that in perspective, that's every day for one year, four months, and 14 days. Me walking outside, seeing them boys on the roof of the studio. And I know that's really not a big issue but there's issues in our life that are much bigger but we still must forgive 70 times 7 forgiveness is something that we are not capable of doing on our own accord it takes more power more love and more maturity to forgive than we will ever have regardless of our age regardless of our ability The only way we can truly forgive is to have God's Spirit living inside of us. So, if you want to know if someone has the Holy Ghost living in them, watch watch how they act in a bad situation. Watch how they react. Watch how they respond. In closing, I have a challenge for you. Everybody want homework? Anybody want homework? Everybody loves homework. Why don't you go home tonight and why don't you pray? And Why don't you ask God to forgive you? I'm sure I've done stuff today that I need forgiveness for. I've said words today. I've done things today. I'm a human. Every day I need the mercy and grace of God. I need His blood to cover my life and my mind. Every day. On a good day I'm still a sinner saved by grace. Why don't we go home tonight and why don't we find a place of repentance in our house like Jesus was telling the crowd of people in Matthew where Matthew chapter 6. Remember the first few verses that I was reading? He told them, the hypocrites pray out loud at church and on the corners, but I'm telling you to pray at your house. Tonight, why don't we go home with our families and sir, ma'am, whoever the spiritual leader is in your home, let's pray a prayer of repentance and ask God to forgive us. That's step one, all right? Step, step one of the homework assignment. Step number two, pick up the phone, go to somebody's house, meet somebody, buy them coffee, somebody that you have an unresolved issue with,